0: Welcome back to Brojo Online. You're about to watch an interview with my good friend Daniel Reese Morgan. He's a fulfillment coach whom I helped train and have known for many years. Good friend of mine who had to overcome a lot of his own confidence issues, especially in the social realm, and has successfully done so. He's a very confident guy now, very open and honest, a man of integrity. And he's going to share a bit about his journey with us today and how he helps people reach enlightenment. Sit back, relax, Check it out, and be sure to comment below if any insights occur to you. Cheers. This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Munro. Let's let's get started. We'll, we'll we'll assume everybody watching or listening doesn't know you. I know you very well. Uh, years mm-hmm. We've been in contact Mm. Uh, and we have very similar backstories and and similar issues that we've faced in our life. But let's Mm. assume somebody has no idea who you are. Um, Tell us a bit about who you are and and what you're doing with your life at the moment and then we'll look backwards and dig in deeper.
1: Mm, Okay. So at the moment I'm building a coaching business. Helping people to improve their self-esteem and confidence um, and help them to become more of who they are, basically. That's, that's what I, I, I want. I believe that nature never repeats itself. And the ultimate sense of significance comes from just being yourself. You know, it's not about living up to other people's standards and trying to be something that other people think that you should be. It's just about you shining your light and uh, being that person that you was here to be. That's what I like to help people to do.
0: Excellent. I love that nature never repeats itself. I've never heard that before.
1: Um, mm. Well, they say no two snowflakes are ever the same, don't they? Mm-hmm. I don't know how true that is. But I, I see that that's what our personality is like. You know, no two fingerprints have ever been the same. Uh, you know, I think that's a good metaphor for our identity, our, our personality, and who we really are.
0: Absolutely. I'm... I'm I heard a similar quote, God, I'm never going to remember who said it. Um, but something along the lines of, we never remember the people who played it safe and tried to be normal, you know? Um, Mm. and you and I are very, I mean, obviously we've worked together for years, I think now. And so we obviously click on, on certain viewpoints philosophically and that particular one, the idea that actually you being new, is the most fulfilling thing you can be. And now I know that sounds really cliched and esoteric to somebody who doesn't have a meaning attached to that. It just sounds like some bullshit they saw on Facebook. What does it mean to you? This kind of authenticity concept being yourself, you know, if you're trying to make sense of that to someone who thinks that that is just a cliche, you know, how would you explain it?
1: To me, it's about bringing your awareness to your own feelings and your own thoughts and making them more important than other people's view of you and allowing people to see uh, you know, and, and experience the, the true emotion that's going on, the true thoughts that are going on um, without feeling the need to... I mean, it can be such a, a, a subtle thing sometimes, like you might even... If somebody's making a joke and messing around, you may even find it funny. But just laughing more than what you actually find it funny mm. is authenticity, isn't it? But when you check in with yourself, you can feel that in your body, can't you? If you're putting your attention on them and how do I make them feel good, then it's quite easy to you know make it more um, laughing more about it. But if you check in with your own body, there's always some message there telling you, hang on a minute, this is not quite right, you know?
0: That's such a great example. You know, that's, (laughs) I love that. That little awkwardness you feel, you're like, okay, that was slightly humorous, but I'm going to have to boost the shot this or otherwise they're going to feel uncomfortable. (laughs) I, I think that's great. That's, that's such a great, like sort of slice of the difference between being true and being just that, just that slight shade fake isn't that really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for you, it's it's mostly, you know, like you say, you think it's it's the thoughts and emotions, you firstly being aware of them, and then it sounds like allowing others to be
1: more aware of them. Mm, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I think what you're saying is right. It's more important to be honest with yourself and to check in with yourself and to be aware of what's going on. Um, yeah, and allowing other people to see it as well. Absolutely.
0: Well. I already know the answers to some of this because we've worked for so long, but let's I'm gonna ask you some questions to allow everybody listening to to find those answers. Which is why would something like this be so important to you at this time in your life? You know, let's 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 have a little look at the backstory as to why you've arrived at this point where you think being honest with yourself and then being honest with others is so important.
1: Mm. What's what's for yeah, <clears> there? <throat> Well, I was depressed for a long time, for 10 years to the point of feeling like I wanted to cry all day, every day for no apparent reason. And what was worse than being depressed was feeling confused because I didn't even know why I was depressed. At least if you know why you're depressed, at least you can do something about it, it, isn't it? But if you don't even know why, then where do you go from there? You know, you're just lost and there's no hope of of making any changes. And... So I kind of stumbled upon personal development and I think I just kind of noticed a a book title one day and just thought it, it gave me hope that maybe I can do something about this. Maybe I can learn enough about myself, about my mind, about my emotions that I can make some changes and dived into it, fell in love with it. You know, I started to understand why I was feeling the way I was. And I suppose long story short, after so many years looking back I could see that it wasn't it was because I wasn't being myself I was trying to live up to other people's standards I was trying to impress people um I was trying to fit in with the crowd and eventually led to me being someone that I didn't even recognize anymore you know if usually somebody was to ask me yeah I didn't even know who I was anymore you know I was like, I was just, I was always trying to be where everyone else wanted me to be or where I thought other people wanted me to be. So that's why it's so close to my heart, is because I feel that that's what brought me back to feeling comfortable in myself. It brought me back to feeling confident. It brought me back to my purpose, you know, and feeling passionate about my life is just really connecting with who I really am stripping away all them layers of bullshit and getting back to to the real me. I love the metaphor of we're all diamonds wrapped in shit and then covered in glitter, you know, and I put so many layers of uh, glitter on the top trying to pretend that I was something that I wasn't um, and completely forgot that there was a diamond underneath all that shit, you know? Um, Somebody said to me that we never actually get rid of the shit, which I think is pretty right. You know, we've always still got our fears and our insecurities, but if we can wipe en- enough of that shit away, at least we can see the diamond and we know what's underneath. So we don't have to keep piling the glitter over the top in order to hide the shit, you know?
0: Yeah, I do know. I think that's one of the reasons you and I have always connected so easily is because that's it's my backstory as well. It's interesting... <laughs> I often debate the concept of depression with people. You know, there's depression as in the medical illness, major depressive disorder, which can happen to anyone. It can just be a chemical imbalance. You could have a great life and be happy and boom, it just knocks you over. But then Mm -hmm. there's more like that dysthymia, that chronic long-term depression. I personally believe is the consequence of behavior. It's a Mm. kind of a punishment from living the wrong way because just so often and this is just anecdotal, I just see people with your kind of story, which is I was being very fake essentially to make people like me, Got chronically depressed for a long period of time while I was doing that, stopped doing it, depression went away or mostly went away.
1: Mm. Yeah.
0: What are your thoughts on the connection or or the correlation between depression, long-term depression and being inauthentic?
1: Yeah, I think it's your emotions are trying to guide you back. You know, it's like um, I tell my clients so often that people think when they're depressed or they're anxious, they think there's something wrong with them. They think that they're broken, you know, and they need to be fixed or that it's a chemical imbalance, which the medical world would quickly have you believe. You know, you need to take this and you need to take that. I think it's just a, it's a internal sat nav like isn't it you know it's guiding you back to being on your path to being connected with nature again it's telling you that there's something wrong here and something needs to be addressed so they say that there's no um negative emotions as such there's just comfortable <laughs> and uncomfortable emotions and i think that that's exactly what it is it's just guiding you you know when you're feeling uncomfortable it's time to have a little reflect okay what's not quite right here something needs to be changed and when you're feeling good it's telling you that you're on your path
0: Yeah, that's pretty much exactly how I see it. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, But of course, didn't see it at the time. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think that's a core difference between you and I. For me, it was chronic anxiety more so than depression. I didn't have like a down and out. I had more like a hyperactivity, uh, over anxious, worried what everyone's thinking all the time, constantly trying to improve myself all the time, um, Mm. with occasional crash and burn depression episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. You, anxiety?
1: A label as such, I kind of I've decided that for myself. You know, I think it was a well, it was a mixture of anxiety and depression. I would feel very sad and upset, and I think even sometimes like the just the intensity of the anxiety would make me feel upset. Like I wanted to cry all the time. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I often wonder if anxiety and depression are actually that different from each other. You know, they they seem to mm-hmm. go hand in hand. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm let's go into a bit more detail because like, like you gave the example before of like over laughing at a joke is it that beautiful example of just the day-to-day fakery that we engage in,
1: mm.
0: you know, especially if you compare yourself now to the self that got you depression, so to speak, you know, and what what kind of ways were you misrepresenting yourself or being untruthful that you remember most clearly? Mm.
1: Well, I know for sure that when I was anxious and depressed, I was doing everything that I could to try and stop people from being able to see that. Even though I knew that they could see it clearly, I would do everything that I could to try and hide it and try and pretend to be happy, you know? Um, I remember actually at the peak of my uh, anxiety and depression, I'd just come back from UPW, Tony Robbins' seminar, and I noticed because he was all like jumping around and dancing there, and I felt better when I was jumping around and dancing so I spent like a couple of weeks afterwards, just everywhere I was going, I was just like dancing, just like a crazy jester character, you know? Um, just trying to hide the feeling of, of being depressed. and Yeah. Um, I remember probably before I even realized I was depressed, I didn't even register my own thoughts and feelings. If somebody asked me how I was feeling... My first question to myself would be, what should I be feeling at this point, you know? How do I convey myself in a way that's going to make me seem okay, you know? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I'm completely full of shit, basically. You know, I didn't even know what the truth was because I was that far removed from it. uh, Everything I said was just to try and impress people and try and pretend that I was something different than I actually was, you know?
0: Yeah, that's that was. A, it's it's essentially that's what it built up to for me as well. It got to the point where the mm. lie had become the truth. Like my my performance mm. was my reality, uh, and it was weird because on one hand I knew I was full of it. Like I knew that this was something I was deliberately uh, creating. It was a a fiction being written out and portrayed to others. And, you know, on the other hand, it was so consistent and stable over such a long period of time that it was me. That's what everybody saw all the time. I get that with people pleasers a lot. They just lie like this is who I am. Mm -hmm. And yet, why the chronic depression if that's who you are, if you're really fully embodied, you know, if you're you're being yourself, why are you so fucking miserable about it? You know, Mm -hmm. it's like that warning sign that just kind of that, the thing that says this can't be right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's, it was the same for me. It was, I mean, over many years I've dug back and through my clients, I've figured out exactly how I was being faked. But at the time it was just, it was just all of it. It was just everything. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in particular, there's something that's been coming up a lot, especially in my home country of New Zealand, of a stigma around mental health and, and the difficulty men have showing that, that thing that we call weakness which we would almost any man would put anxiety and depression into that category of weakness it's kind of unmanly thing to have um but it's different for each guy for you what was what do you think was the reasoning behind the urge to hide that stuff why didn't you want people to see it what do you what did you think was going to happen if they did see it
1: I felt like I would be judged, and I I was judged with my friends at the time, when they could see that I was upset for no apparent reason, and I mean, you know, from the outside, me looking back on it, it was pretty weird, you know, I I would just kind of, I'd be very upset for for no apparent reason, I didn't even know myself why I was upset, you know, so my friends were just like, what what the hell, what's going on, why are you upset, you know, all the time. Um, And so they were young as well, you know, early 20s, they were were judgmental, they, they would have a laugh and a joke about it. They'd take the piss, you know, which obviously didn't really help at the time. Um, But yeah, just trying to keep some connection with those people and um, the fear of being vulnerable, isn't it? And worrying about being ostracized from the group. And yeah, yeah. So you had these
0: fears and, and you had like real reasons to have those fears. It wasn't imagined. People did make fun of you and that kind of thing. Yeah. Which is always like, it's bad enough being afraid of something that there's no evidence for. It's, it's really hard to overcome a fear when there's like legitimately there's somebody doing this thing that proves mm. it. Um, so let's, let's come forward to where you are now. And there's two there's two things I'm always keen to hear about, even if I'm hearing about it from you uh, for the second time, perhaps. But I I just love hearing it. Mm. First is it's something you've just touched on only briefly in this call so far, and I want to dive in deeper. Is why did you make the switch? And and secondly, like what did that entail? Like how did you know from picking up that first self development book? what changes followed and how did you implement those changes? You know, so let's start with the first one. Like, At what point did you sort of consciously make the decision to put the old way aside and try the new way with all the inherent risks and loss that that
1: could entail? I think by that point it was sheer desperation and I was willing to do whatever it took. I never wanted to take medication. I think there was already some innate, um, wisdom that knew that, that these emotions were trying to guide me back somewhere. You know, I didn't want to numb that down and I didn't want to, I didn't want to be stuck on medication for the rest of my life. And I didn't want it on my medical record either because in my depressed state, I was under the impression that having, uh, antidepressants on my medical record was going to stop me from getting some job in the future. You know, ironically, I don't even want a job now, you know, like I say, I'm building a business. But yeah, it was, it was pretty exciting for me to be honest, stumbling across a personal development book and just saying, ah, oh, actually, maybe I can do something about this, you know? Like I say, I was just I was just lost and confused at the time, and so any glimmer of hope, I was, I was ready to dive into it. And so I just had a little browse through to start off and started thinking, hmm, actually, maybe I can understand myself. Maybe I can understand what's going on here. And fell in love with it.
0: it Again, very similar for me. You know, I think... Yeah, I can never really remember which book was the catalyst, but there were certain books, the game, you know, when I first got into pickup and all that. It wasn't that it helped me necessarily, but it was just this hope, like, oh, things can be yeah. different. Even if even if differing was slightly worse, it's still different. It's still options, mm. you know. Um, mm. I found that really exciting as well. I mean, I was just literally, just before this call, I was chatting with my younger brother, and we are talking about, one of the downsides to personal growth is actually losing people who aren't interested in it. You know, you're mentioning just before, this why it came into my head, you mentioned before that you had friends that used to kind of take the person, they were young and dumb or whatever, you know, like guys and they weren't really accepting of this. I mean, what kind of what kind of effect did you pursuing this path have on like your social circle and the life that you had built? Mm-hmm through mm. the, like, more inauthentic way of living?
1: Mm. It's a good point, actually. Because when I say I was depressed for 10 years, it wasn't one 10-year span. Mm. It was five years, and then it was a gap of a few years, but I was on top of the world, actually. And then it was another five years of depression. And how that came about was, so I found the personal development and started diving into it, still bothering with the same people. And as I started you know, to get familiar with personal development. And I was seeing the changes and starting to feel better. Obviously, I was starting to bang on about it to my friends then, which were people that were not interested in personal development whatsoever. And I think um, it came to the point where perhaps I was getting a bit egotistical about it. And I was telling them, this is how you should be living your life or something. I don't know exactly. Um, But I felt that they were being judgmental then towards me for being involved in that and banging on about it all the time. And I think looking back, I think it was an unconscious decision to go um, back into their way of life just so that I could be a a part of that group rather than feeling like I'm going to leave this group and I'm going to go and, you know, create some new friends. I didn't even see that as being an option because I didn't know anyone else that was involved in personal development. Uh, You know, even to go online, I felt like I probably would have had to go miles away to meet anyone that was involved in that kind of stuff so I just I think I just gave up on it stopped bothering with all the personal development books for a little while went back into that way of life drinking and drugs and all that kind of stuff and fell back into depression then
0: This is uh, this is actually a really key point I see it more with family than with friends but you, you raise the point of friends as well as you hit that crossroads where if you keep going down this you're going to lose everything that you've built socially uh, mm. and so the choice is either keep going and lose everything or kind of relapse, keep everything, but let go of what the new thing that you've been working on. Mm-hmm. So it sounds to me like, I guess, reading between the lines that that second belt of depression was like the "see this doesn't work kind of, um, signal. Is that how you interpret it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, the first time around, I was like, oh, you know, it could be this, it could be that, I was, uh, you know, maybe I'm just not happy with something else. But then by the second time around, I was like, oh yeah, of course, you know, it's because of this lifestyle that I'm living and um, it can only be that, you know, so it's time to make a change altogether.
0: So what happened next once you got there? So you're at that point where you're like, okay, now I know why this is happening. It's happening again time to make a change
1: mm-hmm. yeah well, funny enough it happened quite organically actually so the the obvious choice would have been i need to stop bothering with these people i need to stop living this kind of lifestyle um but i think that group of people just all kind of got a bit older and grew up a little bit and started families and we just wasn't living the lifestyle that they used to live any that you know that they used to live um, going out every weekend, drinking and taking drugs, it, it didn't really happen anymore. So I, I kind of went into a space where I just didn't have any friends for a long time. You know, it wasn't like I'd disconnected from them. People intentionally, it just, it just kind of stopped happening anyway. And so there was quite a long period of time where I, you know, I, I would have told you, I, I just don't got any friends at the moment. You know, I, I live for personal development. I work and I go to the seminars now and again, and that's my life really, um, and I studied quite recently that i I would say that I've got a few friends now, you know <laughs> a guy that I was in contact with online who was doing peer coaching for a little while. He happened to move down to Cardiff and uh, him and his partner and my and mine and my partner are friends um, with them now, so we've got a small group of friends, but uh, when I was younger, I had a big group of friends, you know, and I think that's part of why. I was trying to live up to the group and pretend to be something that I wasn't. You know, I think when you've got a smaller group of friends, you can really connect. And if, you know, if you've got some, um, um, if you share the same values, you know, and that's why you've gone into that friendship, then it's easier to just be yourself in that group. Whereas, you know, when you're in a big group of people and your only reason you've gone into it is because, um, they're doing cool things and, um, I, know, I think it's, it's cool to be in a big group when you're young, isn't it? You know, like when you're in school, when, when you're in your, your, your teens and your early 20s. Um, yeah, but uh, that led to me being something that I wasn't.
0: Well, it's cool to hear that you're developing the more genuine ones now. I mean, it's
1: mm-hmm.
0: I've definitely found there's a quality versus quantity thing. I used to be all about quantity, and now I'm all about quality. I'd rather have a few excellent friends than twenty associates, you know. Um, but I Mm. used to really dig the associate thing, like the bigger the number, the better I felt about myself. Mm. But the bigger Mm. the number, the more fake you have to be, you know. You just Mm. can't be real with big numbers because they're all gonna be so different with different preferences. Um Mm. tell you what, one of the things I struggle with that that uh you might be able to help with is I get to a point with someone I'm talking to or it could be a casual chat or a client, or anything where they're at the point where you were having this awareness and the second bout of depression that, okay, this, this way doesn't fucking work. I got to change. And it sounds to me at some point, I, am again, I'm keen to hear exactly at what point you realized that being more authentic and, and knowing what that meant was the change. Um, so I want to figure out, uh, I want to hear from you when that kind of realization heard. But then to follow through on that. Because I remember personally when I started following through on that, like being more honest, which was my thing, just being more honest, just be more honest. Mm. I had nothing to show me that this was a good idea. It just was the mm-hmm. thing and tried. That's all. It was like it's like you tried every exercise plan in the world and no, nothing's ever worked for your body and there's just this one left and it looks real hard and no one else is doing it. You mm. know, that's how I felt about honesty when I got into it. And I've always struggled to explain it in such a way that actually motivates some people to give it a nudge, to to just Mm. throw all caution into the wind and go do this terrifying fucking thing
1: Mm.
0: of being yourself, which doesn't—it's so terrifying and stuck because you don't even know what it means, Uh, let alone. But you do know that you're scared of what the consequence is going to be, right? Mm. So talk to me a little bit about. How first, how you realized that that's what you wanted, that was the change that needed to happen, whether that was, like, quickly or a series of events building up. And and secondly, like, if you had to explain to someone why it's the right move, you know, what would you tell them?
1: Well, I would definitely explain my story and why I felt depressed for so long. Um, And like I said, uh, you know, I, I would... To me, it's a spiritual thing, you know, being yourself and uh, allowing your light to shine its it's God expressing itself through you, isn't it, you know, and anything other than being honest is like trying to put on a lamp or something, isn't it, you know, rather than just allowing that light to shine through you naturally. Um, it's the source of self-esteem and self-esteem is what allows us to feel comfortable in ourselves um, and it allows us to find fulfilment to find our tribe and to find our ideal partner and it's the ultimate leveler. Like some people think, I want to earn more money, and I want to I want to attract these kind of. I want to sleep with this amount of women, and I want to live in this kind of house. But as has been proved by celebrities who kill themselves and stuff like that, it obviously all these things don't actually make you happy. You know, I feel like happiness is the ultimate leveler because we've all got the opportunity to be happy. We've all got the opportunity to be connected with our self-esteem, irrelevant of how much money you've got or what house you live in. And this is how we connect with that. It's just through being ourselves. We're allowing that light to shine through you, to connect with nature, to, you know, to connect with God, the universe, whatever you want to call it, just to be yourself. And, and it, there's no other more powerful way to be yourself than to um, express your truth, isn't it? To be honest with people, to allow people to see what's actually going on inside you be vulnerable <clears throat> there's, there's no courage without vulnerability is there you know you is uh i think most people would say that courage is high on their values and if you're not willing to allow if you're not willing to have the courage to allow people to see who you really are if you're not willing to be vulnerable then you haven't got courage like we were talking about being uh, masculine you know and uh, It's like you were saying, most guys think that being depressed and anxious is like, you know, if I'm a masculine man, I can't experience my emotions. I can't be depressed. I can't have an anxiety. Well, but I think most people would agree that courage is a very masculine energy, a very a masculine value. You know, if you want to be a man, you need to have courage. But I think that's the ultimate courage is to allow people to see who you really are. Be honest with people.
0: Yeah, I've always, well, not always, but since I've made my changes, I've found it tragically ironic that the people who revere the kind of macho version of masculinity the most, which has a big element of courage to it, the kind of brave soldier style of, of masculinity, mm. Mm. can't see how scared they are of expressing themselves. They can't see that opportunity for courage here. They think somebody's saying, oh, I'm anxious is being weak, and yet that person's probably being stronger than they've ever been you know mm. the courage isn't running into bullets courage is doing something that might get you socially ostracized when you're shaking at the knees at the thought of doing it and yet it's honest you know mm. I, I love to hear specifics man like for you what i mean because someone listening to this if they're sort of getting the subtext, they're going to clearly see you're quite capable of being honest now this past version of yourself you described would not be able to have the conversation we've been having to openly mm. admit to all these things and to talk about them like the way you talk about them it's like you're telling me about what you had for lunch it's just normal for you to talk about it. so obviously something's changed mm. what were the kind of the more courageous pieces of honesty that you had to to break through like what kind of things did you have to start opening up about that you found the most difficult mm.
1: Well, I know we did an exercise together and um, you coaching me was a big part of me coming out and being more honest about um, who I am, where I feel. And I remember we did an exercise, which was, I think, was probably the most powerful part of our coaching, was me looking back at my past and who I hide that from and who who would I be willing to talk to about it and who would I not be willing to talk to about it. Um yeah, coming out and talking to people about things that have gone on in my past that I felt ashamed about, you know, I, I couldn't possibly share that with people just to open up and to actually talk to people about these things that I felt so ashamed of. I think that is so healing, you know, and that's, that's what, um, that's what I'm pushing for with this men's group that I'm running now, um, in Cardiff is just for guys to come together and be honest, The, the things that they, they feel shame about. Um, Yeah, so that was a big one. Luckily, at the time, I think probably for a good reason, I was single. And so just talking to women and saying that, uh, you know, expressing how I really felt with women, that was a really good uh, opportunity to be courageous and uh, be honest with people. Yeah, and like I say, checking in with myself, bringing my awareness into my body and seeing how I feel when I'm interacting with people and just allowing that to come out, you know, not... Um, feeling like I need to push it away. I think when you're connected with that, it just kind of comes out without you having to think about it too much. You know, I think thinking about it is probably one of the biggest things that gets in the way of it. You just allow it to happen, don't you? You know, you just connect with that feeling and and allow it to come through. Um, Yeah. I think
0: you had a number of the the big ones for guys who are considering doing this. The biggest fear is, you know, expressing attraction and interest and doing that really directly, Mm. letting your feelings show, letting people know about the past things that, you know, you could easily leave buried. Nobody's going to find them, but they actually willingly bring them up for no reason other than to share them. Mm. When people consider doing this, they're terrified. They're terrified of the consequences. What would you tell them in your experience about the actual consequences once they follow through on it? What can they expect?
1: They can probably expect that people are not going to be as judgmental as you might think. And you may be surprised with some. But a big thing to bear in mind is that a lot of people probably are going to be driven away when you become more authentic. But there's going to be a lot of people that are going to love you even more. And that's a good thing in itself. Because why do you want to spend your time being false around people that are not really your tribe anyway? Wouldn't it be better to just, you know, let them do what they want, you know, let them react however they want and let the chips fall where they may and, and spend more time with the people that are actually your tribe anyway? Like we were saying about earlier, you know, when you've got a big tribe of people, generally you are going to end up being false around certain people because otherwise you're not going to fit in. But when you start being more authentic, you start realizing who is your actual tribe who can I really connect deeply with?
0: It's easier on the other side, isn't
1: it? Yeah. You
0: know? Cause, uh, yeah, I mean, you and I have both been through that transition and I never like to undersell the fear. Like, yeah, it's fucking scary to do it. Like to actually be sitting there at a pub with your mates and then just right. throw the thing into the conversation and go, I don't know how they're going to react to this. This is the first. Mm. Um, but I think it's important for people watching or listening, whether they're seeing you or hearing you to see how obviously comfortable you are with it now Mm. and how certain you are that it was the right move. Uh, I find that to be without exception. Every person I know has made it through the transition. I I haven't, I haven't met someone yet who's gone through the other side and gone, this was a mistake, (laughs) you know, but almost everyone I know who's at the start goes, that looks like it's going to be a mistake. It looks like I'm going to regret doing that. One of the things I want to pick up on you in particular, I mean, so many of the guys that I've worked with are kind of like chronically and desperately single when I meet them for the first Mm -hmm. time. Uh, They might have some interactions with women. Some are absolutely like virgins with nothing going on. Um, Mm -hmm. And, but they are, whatever they are, they're dissatisfied with their love lives uh, in a huge way. Lots of desperation, neediness, loneliness. Um, I only know a little bit about your partner, but from from what I know, you seem pretty happy.
1: Mm, absolutely.
0: With her. Everything we've been talking about, you being more authentic and everything like that, how does that relate to you uh, finding her and bringing her into your life?
1: mm It's the only way that you're going to find your ideal partner is by being honest, isn't it? If you bullshit in your way into a relationship, how can you even expect that to be a happy relationship? If you've got to pour up some facade for the rest of your life, that's not going to be very happy is there, you know? And if you get a few months into your relationship and all of a sudden, you know, Oh, maybe I'll let my guard down and show who I really am here. And then she's just going to be like, "Who the fuck is this guy? Isn't she, you know, it's it's probably not going to turn out too well. Um, yeah, so you need to be authentic to find your ideal partner. I think that goes without being questioned. But when I started being more authentic, I started, like, for instance, I was going out to pubs trying to meet my ideal partner. And when I started becoming authentic, I was like, I don't even drink. What am I going out to, to fucking bars trying to meet my ideal partner for? Her? What's the likelihood of me meeting my ideal partner, you know? I want to find somebody who's into personal development, who's into health and all these kind of things. I'm not going to find her hanging out at a bar. So what do I love doing? I love going to personal development events. So I just, when I was whenever I was going to personal development events, I started looking out for somebody who I was attracted to. And when you're in that kind of place, your environment of where you love to be, you don't even have to think about your approach and what am I going to say to her and stuff like that. Because it's on straight away, isn't it? You know, you've got already got a lot in common. You just go over and say, hey, how's it going, you know? And just start a conversation. So, yeah, I met my ideal partner at UPW, a Tony Robbins event, and uh, she was, um, it was on the last day, uh, she was looking around for a seat, and there happened to be a couple of seats next to me, I looked over, I was like, oh, she's a bit of a fox, you know, and uh, called her over, she uh, came over and sat a couple of ste- uh, seats over from me to begin with, put a bag in between, a little bit reluctant, I think, uh, but we spent the day together then, being at the seminar and going into conversation, and... Yeah,
0: the, the rest is history. So similar to my experience, my girlfriend, the dancing, I met her at dancing. Um, yeah, and you and I share that exact same belief. Like, why, why people go to nightclubs that they don't even like going to, and they're not even really a raver, or going to pubs. They, they you know, you know that feeling. You got to drag yourself there, like you're doing work. Like this is a fucking chore. Mm. I mean, people get that feeling and they don't question it. They don't think maybe I'm doing it wrong. You know, um, you go to something for you. I like that. I like that balance. You're going to this thing for you. Like she doesn't need to be there for this to be awesome. This is this is for you. But you're not going to be naive to opportunity either. You know, mm-hmm. see a sexy girl, you say hi. Like why not? Uh, make the most of this event, kind of thing. Um, and then, of course, you combine that with the fact that you're just trying your best to be honest all the time. I mean, what a beautiful recipe for meeting someone. Mm. You know, I mean, that's about as good as it gets, in my opinion. Mm. So I'm absolutely on board with that. And mm. you know, the guy I met, struggling and you know, banging his head against the wall, talking to girls in bars. Mm. You know, there didn't seem to be that struggle with this one. You know, you guys just kind of clicked and you didn't have to work hard at it. You know, it wasn't mm. the door. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's so fantastic. So let's, let's talk a little bit now about your work because you've obviously done this with yourself to such an extent that you now feel uh, that, that desire to help others do the same thing. You know, you and I have that in common. It's kind of like, it's like finding a cure to cancer or something. It's like, we've got to get other people to shit, you know, like, yeah, I, I didn't realize I was missing out. And then I see everybody else, you know, missing out. It's like when, one of the things I, uh, one of the milestones of confidence I think is when you come to realize how lacking in confidence almost everyone is. Right, yeah. you, know, Matrix, you look out in the world and you go, oh my God, look how fucking insecure everyone is. so obvious mm. to me now. How did I not see this? It's like 90% of people are like drowning in their insecurities. Mm. You know, and, and before I used to think a lot of these people were super confident. Now I realize they're just super performing because they're so unconfident. And it just gave me that urge to help others.
1: Mm. And now you've
0: been struck by that bug as well. So tell us a little bit about Not only your your personal work, but this men's group that I know you kicked off rather
1: recently. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so like I said, um, with the men's group, my intention with it is that it's a place where people can feel safe in opening up, being honest, being vulnerable, and sharing what's actually going on. It's a place for them to let their guard down you know, come together as guys and talk about what's really going on. So a precedent that I set right from the start is that either come in and just be completely open and honest and, and say what's going on. Or if you don't feel that you can share, just say, I don't want to share. Don't, don't bullshit me and tell me that you've had a great day. If it hasn't been a great day, you know, either tell me how your day's gone or say I'm not in, the, in an appropriate state to share at the moment, you know? Um, yeah, so we talk about some concepts that has really helped me to be more more authentic and to realize where the source of confidence comes from. And then we have a chat about it, you know, and uh, yeah, we, uh, yeah, we get into some deep shit, you know. We get some big insights and yeah, I think people come away from there feeling a lot more clear, you know, because like I said, that that was the big thing for me was feeling confused about where I was. And that's why I've just become obsessed with understanding how the mind works, how emotions work. If I can just help people to get a little bit more of an understanding about what's going on, then, you know, it's been worth my while. That's very cool. Yeah.
0: That understanding. It's amazing. Like quite quite a few guys are actually quite ambitious and, and determined. They just need to not be confused. You know, once they figure the thing out, they'll throw themselves out. There's other people where their problem is, they actually know what they need to be doing and they won't do it. Mm
1: -hmm. But I
0: think for me, the most frustrating part is I was willing to do anything. I'll eat glass if that was the right answer, you know? But I just didn't know. I didn't know why things just didn't work out for me. It felt like I was, you know, I was cursed or something. Um, Mm -hmm. Once I knew why, I just threw myself into it. It's great that... You know, you and I both run those groups, you know, somebody talks about the problem that they've all got, but everyone else sees it from the outside finally. And they'll be like, oh my God, it's so obvious why you're struggling. And then they go, fuck, that's what I'm doing too. They have to see someone else saying, you know, they have to hear somebody else say exactly what they're feeling, you know, and to, to hear that come out of some other guy's mouth and go, fuck, you know, when he says it sounds pretty fucking obvious why he's struggling, you know, like he's done this for himself. It's, clear as day but uh, it is yeah. also exactly what i'm experiencing So mm-hmm. maybe i'm doing that too mm-hmm. you're also doing one-to-one work right so you're coaching now yeah, yeah. Um, tell us a bit about the the kind of work you focus on there like what's your one-to-one work like mm-hmm. what's it like to get coaching with you
1: yeah so i just have conversations basically and what is no matter how difficult things may seem, no matter how insurmountable your problems may be, all it takes is one insight and it changes everything, you know, and one insight is just a new thought, isn't it? You know, and I'll be sharing, you know, like I said, the concepts that have helped me to change. And when we can see them clearly, it changes everything, doesn't it? All change is basically um, a change in, in the way we look at things, isn't it? You know, a change in the way we look at the future, a change in the way that we look at the past, I don't think we necessarily need to change anything external from ourselves. We just need to look at things differently and things will start to change outside just from this new perspective that we've got.
0: It's quite a philosophical approach. Yeah. There's kind of insights into the truth about yourself and then just allowing that to affect your decision-making and
1: obviously mm, your behavior yeah. after that. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, Back to the concept that, you know, we keep seeing celebrities killing themselves and depressed and in rehab and drug addicted or sex addicted, whatever. So that just proves to me that it's nothing to do with gaining anything external. That's not going to make you happy. You know, as much as we think we want to get that woman, we want to get that money, we want to live in this house or have that job, whatever it is. It's not going to make you happy, you know, and we can we can be happy right here, right now just by changing our perspective. And. So wouldn't it be better to get these things from a place of fulfillment and happiness and contentment rather than chasing them, hoping that one day that they're going to make us happy. So start there, you know, by giving them the insight that allows them to feel comfortable and content in themselves right now. And then we can work out and make a plan about how you're going to do the things that you want to do as well.
0: I love that. I love that starting place of kind of, get your perspective right first and then the rest is kind of just playing around in a sense. But I wrote that down because I want to keep that. We can be happy right here, right now, just by changing our perspective. Mm. That's it, isn't Mm. it, really?
1: Mm. uh, I've been loving Michael Neal lately and, you know, he's into the three Ps and everything. And he he says that uh, our mind, uh, sorry, our our life is, our experience is created by our mind, you know, and just one insight is all we need to change everything and i can see myself whenever i get frustrated with building the business or whatever it is externally it's just because i'm looking at it in the wrong way you know and when i, I realize that i'm fine as i am and you know i've got all that i need to be happy and content in the moment and i uh, it just you can start relaxing then can't you You're, okay what do i actually need to do here you know rather than telling myself the story that is impossible and and um, is so much different so much more difficult for me than it is for everyone else you can just let that story go when you can see it for what it is, and everything becomes a lot more clear. Then, when you've got all that bullshit out of the way, you know you can see things a bit more clearly of what you need to do to move forward.
0: Well, there's a real theme coming through from you about the removal of bullshit. You know, <laughs> whether it's perspective, whether it's what you're showing other people, whether it's what you believe about yourself. I've got a I've got a huge belief myself that the closer you are aligned with objective reality the better your experience. You know, mm. um, the fictional world is where the, I mean, anything can happen in a fictional world and that's where the nightmares grow. You know, something can only be so bad in reality. It's as bad as it is, uh, which mm. is actually very little if you have a neutral perspective, you know, if a thing is just a thing, it's very few things that will objectively harm you. Um, mm. But if you like, the thing is bigger in my head than it is in reality, then it can become anything. Like mm. like you and I know, being coaches, when your bank account's empty, your mind can do all sorts of stuff with that, and yet you're just sitting there with a roof over your head, you're fine. Like nothing's actually happening to you. Mm. Your mind can turn into this nightmare, and that's a form of untruthfulness. You know, you're living in a fictional world, and I, so I love that. So somebody looking at coaching with you can expect to have conversations that lead to insights that change the perspective and the perspective gets you more aligned with being truthful and I would hope encourages them to be more truthful in the expression
1: mm.
0: and kind of create a truth world rather than a fictional world, both socially and, and your own mind. If mm. someone was keen to work with you, um, how would they get in touch and get started with that?
1: So they can go to my website, which is danielreesmorgan.com. Reese is spelled with double E. Sweet. They can email me at info at danielreesmorgan.com. And they can check me out on Facebook. So there's Daniel Rees Morgan. And I think the the handle is Fulfillment Coach, spelled the UK way. So it's F-U-L-F-I-E-L-M-E-N-T. There's no double L in the middle. I've got loads of videos on there. They can get a feel for what I do.
0: Yeah. I think your videos are a, a good way to get experience of you. they're worth it mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I've
1: got a, an ebook on the website as well. That you can download.
0: Yeah, excellent. Yeah. We can link all that stuff in the show notes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome, man. Well, I think that's actually a pretty cool place to wrap it up. Um yeah. And yeah, you and I are on very, very similar paths, which makes sense because we're working together. Often. Mm. And yeah, um, We both have a similar background. We both suffered from being inauthentic. And we finally saw the light. And it doesn't mean you end up with a problem-free life. It just means you're happy being yourself as you go through that life. You know, you can have problems, but you don't hate yourself
1: as you go through the problems. It's a big Mm. difference. It's like half the problem. (laughs) Mm. Well, life is problems, isn't it? You know, Tony Robbins says, if you want want to end your problems, get dead, you know? Mm-hmm. It, you know, there's always going to be. You can look at them as challenges, or you can look at them as problems. You can choose to to create challenges in your life so that you can grow and uh, evolve to a new level. Or problems will will find themselves. You know, you we always need something to work on. We need we need some. We need to fill the void and create something in our life. So,
0: yeah, absolutely, man. Awesome, bro. Well. It was so great to finally have you on the show. Uh, We've been talking about it for long enough, and uh, I'm sure it won't be the last time we do a public chat like this. Mm, It'll be amazing, yeah. Yeah, and and thank you for being so honest and sort of role modeling the very thing that you're talking about. It's one of the few things, you know, there are a lot of coaches out there, and and I'm disappointed with a a vast majority of them. They preach authenticity, but they do not model it um mm. and you are an exception to that you know nobody listening to you could doubt that um you were you know that, that you weren't being honest about your past and that you weren't demonstrating what shamelessness looks like you know mm. of course we we never get to 100% honesty maybe but I don't think I could even get there you know and, but uh you know just the freedom that comes with you know, taking those shackles off and just letting people see you for who you are. And your videos are a great example for that. I really recommend people watch your videos. Um, Cause you're just so open and vulnerable. And in some of those videos that just, it shows what it's like to have that freedom. Um, mm. Excellent. So thank you, man. Thank you for, for coming on the show. Thank you. And I'll post the links Bye. to all that stuff. Mm. Cool. That's awesome. Tough. Thank you so much for watching and listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And make sure to check out Dan's website, danielreesmorgan.com. There will be a link below. And also grab a copy of his free ebook, The Fundamentals of Fulfillment, which goes into much more detail around Dan's philosophy and strategies you can use to make your life more fulfilling. Big thank you to Dan for being on the show, for being so open and honest with us. And thank you all for watching again. I'll see you next time.